0: Welcome into 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 2 for 1 Drafts, a rookies and draft prospects podcast. Here with my guy, Mike Renner, on the first episode after the Super Bowl. It's officially draft season. It's been draft season for a while but this is like the turning point. This is where the draft order is set, all those things and with that being said, we're going to go over a mock draft, courtesy of Mike Renner, published to PFF.com on Monday morning. Also going to look at our hashtag fun to watch list. Each of our top 10 fun to watch players in the 2021 NFL draft class and then also react to the Super Bowl of course, react to the latest Carson Wentz news at the top of the podcast. Should be quite the treat. We also have an interview lined up for the back end of the podcast. We interviewed Again, friend of the pod officially, Gregory Rousseau, former Miami, Florida edge defender, had a lot of good things to say about Jalen Phillips. Also, he's in the best shape of his life right now. Just spent the entire season working out. It's a fantastic interview. We'll stitch that in at the back end of the podcast. Let's get it. Have a fantastic podcast lined up today. Not only are we officially in the season de la draft, draft season, fresh off the Super Bowl, I got the fresh cut with the little little hair product in there, the new kicks, ready to rock and roll. But I got two very very good dad stories. I'm giving you a twofer today. I said I do the shotgun story on Thanksgiving, but I'm also going to stitch this other story in as well. That comes with a visual courtesy of Mike Quinn. Let's oh, start with I didn't know that the shotgun story. So I've had a handful of like long-term relationships in my life, five to six, but only two have ever met, two have ever met my parents. One time, me, one of the first times one of my girlfriends five, met my six, dad seven, or three. my mom, Oh, and my mom, stepmom. We go to Thanksgiving, it's a good time. And we're, while we're there, my grandma, who lives with my dad, uh, is like con- the same grandma that like, You know, it's been part of this for a while.
1: Who took a rap?
0: No, no, that's my great-grandma. Oh, okay. My my other grandma's still alive and she's rocking. But on Thanksgiving, we're noticing that she keeps a... Like, there's this, like, for the first time ever in my life, my dad's house has, like, a blanket over the couch. You know how some old people have, like, blankets on their couch for whatever reason? We had a blanket on our couch. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, I don't know if he's, like, trying to doll it up for the girl I brought over or my girlfriend at the time or whatever it was. And But my grandma, the entire time, like, as people sit down, she'd go over and adjust it. Like, she made sure it was always in, like, pristine Condition. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm like talk about it with my girlfriend. It's like, yeah, I don't really know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. My dad on holidays, surprising no one gets hammered, absolutely hammered. And I'm going to preface the rest of the story, by the way, my dad's a moron. This is a bad decision. Don't make these decisions. Okay, this is yeah. this is not a good decision. These are bad. This is bad. My dad. Yeah. Gets pretty hammered on holidays, and which is totally fine. I mean, everyone does. But he kind of takes it to another level. And then by the time all the family's over, but at the end of the holiday, my dad's just drunk, and it's just me, my girlfriend, and I are staying at the house. And it's my grandma that's left. It's just us four that are really left at the house. My dad starts telling, talking about you know recent events or whatever, like how things been and all this stuff. And he's like, "Oh man, I didn't tell you." He says he so he recently got a shotgun. And he was like, Yeah, I've been, I got a shotgun just in case anyone breaks in the house. I gotta kill somebody. I was like, That doesn't seem safe for you to own a gun. It's wild that you have one. Um, he's like, Yeah, honestly, I made a big mistake recently, too. Apparently, he got really drunk and was like holding the gun and like had it in his hand and was like saying, like, Hey, if anyone comes in, blah, 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 I'm gonna get somebody. And it was unloaded. He was like, It's unloaded, it's unloaded, it's fine. I wasn't there. This was a couple days yeah. ago or whatever before Thanksgiving. He's with my grandma. My grandma, I call her Noni when you're Italian you call your grandma Noni that's kind of like a thing but Noni's like you can't be yo I don't care if it's unloaded like put that gun away no one wants to see this this is crazy and he's like I, I told you it's unloaded he sticks the gun into the couch like into the couch to, like muffle it or whatever if it was loaded and just shoots it and it has a and it blows a hole through the couch in the back of the wall <laughs> that the couch is against and that was like why the blanket was there the whole time and then i'm dying laughing even though gun violence is not a joke don't play with guns all that stuff but dying laughing because my grandma's literally like trying to cover the hole the entire day with there's a, a hole in the back of his house it's it's incredible it was incredible um but on the theme i forgot i can't believe i haven't told this story so my dad makes a ton of bad decisions and this is another fantastically bad decision that is great. So my dad and I got into it like late in high school, and I wasn't living there for a little bit. And uh, I was living with someone else, whatever. Uh, he texts me one day. He sends me a picture of his arm, and it's a tattoo. It's my name, but it's spelled A-U-S-T-O-N, down his arm. I'm with my buddy. Like, what the hell just happened? I, I'm crying laughing. I'm like, <laughs> so I text bad. my dad. I text my dad. I'm like, dude, my name is Austin. He immediately calls with an I, obviously. He immediately calls me. He's like, no way. Like, you're kidding. Don't make, no, don't, don't make these jokes. Like, you're kidding. Like, this is not, this has to be a joke. I've had your name in my phone. It's A-U-S-T-O-N for a long time. I was like, how, how the fuck do you even have that? That makes no sense. That doesn't even, sound it out, motherfucker. I've seen Austin Austin with an E. I've never seen Austin with an O. So then he's like borderline in tears. I'm in tears laughing. And then I'm thinking about, so I've said this before. You always have to think about my dad's stories. With the other people in the stories involved. Think about the tattoo artist who's like, dude, you're getting this? Because the tattoo artist can't Austin. be saying, are you sure your son's name is freaking Austin? He's not going to double check him I'm like gonna that. I'm just going
1: to search Austin to see if there's any. There might uh, be. There's an
0: Austin Matthews who plays
1: hockey. It's okay. Maybe a Canadian. Okay. So
0: there might Maybe there was. Either way, my dad. My, the tattoo artist obviously didn't say anything. And... Um, he gets it, and he's like feels like an asshole. Whatever it was, he ends up getting like a small eye tattooed in the middle of it. This is the funniest part: the correction. He gets a small little eye tattooed in the middle of the O, and then uses the O like a fucking crossword puzzle, and it says like God across the side. So, with that being said, there's probably a lot. I've had some people in the YouTube comments say these stories are fake. Dad doesn't seem real. There's no way. Quinn, if you're watching on YouTube, throw the fucking image I, up. I am looking at the picture right now, and it's. It's real as can be. Unless your Photoshop skills got real dude, good in, in a I texted my dad last time uh, over the weekend. And I was like, dude, you gotta send me a picture because I'm trying to tell the story on the podcast. And he's like, Oh man, I hate this story, but he sent it to me anyway. It's hilarious. But all right, I'm looking at it now.
1: The the correction is brutal. Too. It's horrendous. Like, it is
0: arguably worse than the original tattoo. Yeah. That's like not the, his fault though. That's the tattoo artist.
1: Yeah, that yeah. tattoo artist kind of butchered him there. Because the, the, the spacing G, between the, the G is the hanging, like it's rough. Just hanging out in the middle of his bicep.
0: So, but what's funny about I'll, I'll I'll finish with this and then we'll get into the podcast. I apologize for taking this long. But what's funny is that my dad and I worked together. After that at some point we're like relationship mended and worked together at a mechanic shop and everyone at the mechanic shop called me off stone like everyone like made fun of him and Austin. it was freaking fantastic dude so fantastic he also has um, the tattoos of my other siblings names on his and they're spelled right fortunately you know you don't really see that often but um, it's an incredible story my, my, my the entire football team in high school was like called me off stone for a while it was freaking hilarious dude insane stuff like my dad bad decisions left and right like I said he's a role model. Just don't do what he does yeah. if you don't fall in his Anti, footsteps.
1: Anti-role model. What's the, anti-role what's the role model. Yeah. All right. An
0: anti-hero. Let's go ahead and get into the podcast here. Super Bowl reaction. This is an insane game. Not a lot of people saw this coming. If, if there was going to be a blowout in this Super Bowl, I think people were expecting the Kansas City Chiefs to blow the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out. They were favored by three, three and a half at some points in the two-week stretch over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa Bay at Raymond Jane Stadium. Like People were expecting the Kansas City Chiefs to go into Tampa Bay and win this football game. They scored nine points, no touchdowns, get blown out by Tom Brady, Todd Bowles, Bruce Arians, and give Brady his seventh ring. What are your initial takeaways, your initial reactions?
1: I don't. Did we talk about this? I can't remember now. I talked about it with someone, and I'm like, I just don't see how the Chiefs are the Chiefs' offense. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Patrick Mahomes and you have, you know, and all, like, and they do have like an all-pro receiver, all receivers are like all pros, whatever. You can't operate a consistent offense with an offense line that was going to be that overmatched. Like, yes, Andy Reid should have adjusted and to protect Mahomes better, should have done something to make sure he wasn't under pressure as much as he was and to help that offense line out. But there's only so much you can do when you have an offense line that every single position is liable at a very high rate to lose on that given play. Like, it's not just that there's one mismatch. You can scheme around Aaron Donald being so much better than your left guard. Like, if you have a backup at left guard, you can scheme around that. You can't scheme around every single guy being overmatched along your office line. And the only thing, and like, Patrick Holmes so good that he convinced us all that he could do it, but I think we saw at the end of the day that it's still football, and there's still, when you have that big a disadvantage in the trenches that you're just you're screwed like there's no recourse you can you get by for a little you can have maybe like some explosive plays and i love the bucks game plan to just basically say our front four is going to kick your ass we're not going to give you any explosive plays drive down the field on us two safeties deep yeah put a drive together without taking that big negative play without having a sack without having pressure blow up multiple plays in a row and they took that gamble and it they ran a,
0: a lot of good games and stunts too. Like they were rushing yeah. forward, but they also did a lot of good t- stunts that had the offensive line in a tiz.
1: And that's why, I like end of the first quarter or so, or like midway through the second quarter, I was like, "This game is over. The Chiefs are not. There's no turning it around with the Chiefs. They're they're not. They are. Comp- they're too overmatched up front to have any chance. And that was that was it.
0: What What was your reaction to the game plan Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy had? You saw the next gen stats stat that said they were in five-man protections 92% of the time. Did not keep a lot of guys in the block. No six-man, seven-man protections. Were you surprised by that? Because I went into the game thinking, well, Andy Reid's smart. Andy Reid's Mm -hmm. smart enough to know this is going to be a mismatch, and you're going to see an adjustment. I know he loves to have five on a route, and so does Mahomes, but you're going to have to keep running backs and tight ends into block, and they did it. Did that surprise you at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I do think Andy Reid deserves as much, if not more, a blame than Patrick Mahomes. I agree with that 100%. He didn't call a good game whatsoever to that yeah to that but again it goes back to like there's not much you can do if you're going to call max protects and they're sitting with two deep safeties you're not getting deep shots anyways like you're just you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't there's really not much they could have Like there's, yeah, you could try that, but I don't think it was going to be much of a difference if they
0: did. What about the lack of play action passes? Was that just a a part of game script, or I think Patrick Mahomes only had three play action dropbacks in this game. It is surprising. Uh,
1: I do think though, like with with the Bucks defense. They've eaten up play action. Like you saw them that first Packers game when the Packers started doing boot action. It was tack right at the quarterback. Like they don't they don't really care. And mm-hmm. I, and I think we saw that earlier. Shaquille Barrett had like on an RPO or a pl- early play action pass. Like Barrett went right after Mahomes. Didn't even respect the run because they don't have to respect the run because their defensive lines that good at stopping the run. Like they 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 can sell out to stop the pass. Seemingly so. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway that i had was like the bucks were the most talented team in the nfl this year like it was either the bucks or the saints in terms of just like top to bottom roster talent you look at how many positional units on this team you would put in like the top 5 quarterback receivers off the line defensive line linebackers their secondary those are all top 5 units their respective position like that, is, that was the best team. It was only because like, the, nothing was meshing offensively. The transition. And they're, yeah, the sort of like were always less than seemingly the sum of their parts. But this was a damn good football team that kind of just had that you know, lull throughout the early and midseason. And I think we kind of like saw that. Like they were the better team in that game in terms of like talent-wise.
0: I, I think the major takeaway for me was that Andy Reid and Eric Biennemi quite simply got out-coached. Todd Bowles put on an absolute display yeah. defensively. I mean, he was in his bag. I mean, he was one of the better you know performers in that game in terms of what he did and running the two high, running the stunts up front, making them beat him with underneath passes. And after that initial flurry of some screens and some quick game, like Patrick Mahomes was in a negative game script, had to push the ball downfield and couldn't. And yes, you could argue this was the worst or one of the worst games we've ever seen from Patrick Mahomes, but he was forced to be a superhero. With 92% of the time, only five-man protections, under pressure on over 55% of his dropbacks, a ton of which were in the first 2.5 seconds of the snap, he had to be a superhero. He had to take 80-yard dropbacks. He had to throw out of platform and all that things. Patrick Holmes was forced to do the unthinkable, and Andy Reid and Eric Biennial quite simply did not put him in a position to succeed. The injuries didn't help, and I get that, and some of that stuff is hard to overcome, but I don't think you can put so much of the blame. I think you said it perfectly. I think you can. Sh- you should shift more of the blame onto the offensive coaches for the Kansas City Chiefs than onto Patrick Holmes, because I think he did everything in his power. He had some of the most impressive throws I've ever seen this season in this game. The one where he's completely horizontal, 30 yards into the end zone. That was yeah. a dropped pick too, though. Devin White has his hands on that as well. But the other one, the Tyree Kill off platform, like he did, the one to Byron Pringle in the corner, like he did some insane things in this game. Was it his best game? No, one of his worst, absolutely. But I still don't think you put a bulk majority of the blame on him. It's Reed and it's Bienemy for not understanding the mismatch they had in the trenches and not accounting for it with extra pe- extra protection, diff- quick game, whatever they had to do to mitigate it, they just didn't.
1: Also, I want to say someone else who deserves a ton of credit. Bucks GM, Jason Licht. They're drafting over the past three years. Exceptional. They have knocked it out of the park. Just the talent they've added. Vita Vea, Carlton Davis, Devin White, Sean murphy Bunning. Jamel Dean, Tristan Wirfs, Antoine Winfield on the first three rounds. Like, to have those guys, seven impact starters. That's That's insane. That's that's how you draft. And their insistence on replenishing Mm -hmm. their secondary paid off massive dividends. Even after, that's that's the thing
0: that doesn't get enough credit for.
1: The best weakest link in their secondary, probably in the NFL. Sean Murphy Bunting was their weakest link in the secondary. Their whole season. What do you have, two picks in the playoffs? And a key pass breakup in the end zone. Yeah, like that... That was their weakest link. That is how you have a good pass defense is to have – the strongest weakest link in the NFL. one of the strongest weakest links in the nfl
0: something i wanted to add to that because i also tweeted how, how they invested in the secondary over the past three seasons has been bonkers but it came after two drafts in 2016 and 2017 where they invested high picks in Vernon hargraves and justin evans and those didn't pan out but they didn't, that didn't stop them that, that's, that's the, the big thing. thing like they're not they didn't say oh man we grabbed cornerback last year we can't keep investing no they said we're going to invest in the valuable positions in the nfl every single year that's why at the back end of your mock draft i have a take you have them taking i think Najee harris at 30 And it's what you think the GMs will do, not necessarily what you would do. Dude, if J.C. Horn is there, Asante Samuel Jr. is there, that's where there's some value at the back end of the first round. I'm still going to invest in the secondary. Continue to improve in that regard. Or add weapons because you do know that Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, and Chris Godwin are all going to be free agents this offseason. I think wide receiver or pass catcher is another option. But I'm not stopping. Jason Lick should not stop investing in the secondary. He has talent for good reason. You're not going to be able to re-sign all of these guys. Again, tip of the cap to Lick. I mean, he was sensational in what he did.
1: And you hit the nail on the head there. They had Vernon Hargraves. They had Justin Evans. They've drafted Mike Edwards, all in the top three rounds. None of them were even. Pla- none of them played. You know, yesterday. They no, were I, I
0: think Edwards did. Okay, Edwards, Edwards
1: is the only one to play, but he was obviously the third safety. Not start, like they drafted a safety to replace him a year after they drafted him. Yes. Like, because they realized that if you have a weak link, that's where people are going to attack. Yes. That guy gets exposed.
0: Continue to invest in the secondary. Do not let positional need affect your draft status either. Like, this is how it's supposed to go. Like, you do. I don't care what you drafted in the previous year. I don't care what you drafted in the previous two years. Continue to draft the best players available at the most valuable positions. Credit where credit's due for the San Bay Buccaneers front office. Let's go ahead and jump to a dumpster fire of a front office or a situation with Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. But, I, 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 dumpster fire was aggressive because if, if, Roseman gets two first round picks for he Carson won't. Wentz. That's too, that even a first round pick that I think that seems like the floor right now
1: is realistic, but would also be the
0: dumbest thing. I, like one of the dumbest trades I've ever seen. If he gets Carson Wentz at, we've said this a thousand times at his lowest perceived value. Like you are not going to get Carson Wentz lower at a lower value than this. And he still gets a first round pick plus some other things for him. It's going to be absurd. Yeah. And the other GM that makes that trade, whether it's the Colts or the Bears, that's who the two favorites are right now. I think I saw another report that there's a third team involved. But the Colts or the Bears, whichever team does trade the most for him, that's concerning in my opinion. Like, I don't think Carson Wentz is that much better than what the Bears currently have. I don't think Carson Wentz is that much better than what the Colts currently have. You don't have to make this decision. Yeah. But I think a team will, and I think it could happen as soon as today. Two takeaways here. One, how
1: how like, dumb are some NFL GMs? Like, Trading a first-round pick for a guy that looked like that, I, I don't care, like, how desperate you are. Roll the dice with that first-round pick. Like, like have some pride in your ability to evaluate NFL talent, you know, at the quarterback position. Obviously, you're the Bears, whatever. It didn't work out the first time. But, like, that's just an absurd—and to take on a contract as well. So that's takeaway one. But takeaway two— Carson Wentz should be the poster child for why you draft quarterbacks highly. He re- if he retains the value of a first-round pick, even after signing a bloated contract and playing like ass, just because he showed a little in an ideal situation, you should not be passing up on quarterbacks because of how at the top of the draft because of how well they retain their value just by playing above-average football for any period of time. You should not be passing up on quarterbacks because of how much they retain their value. To to get that sort of value back from any other position, they have to be a top three player at their respective position. They have to be elite. That's not the case, quarterback. You can have what one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year still get still netting you a first round pick. If that's the case, do not be passing on those guys.
0: Fair. That's a very good take. And I don't think a lot of people are attacking it from that angle. If
1: Carson Wentz... Like, like, like if
0: you're the Jets and you're drafting Devonta Smith too. No. Like, yes. Do not do that. The guys are going to retain his value. I'm unconvinced that Sam Darnold won't fetch a first-round pick at this point. Now that Carson Wentz and his contract... Because that's the thing. You mentioned it. like Carson Wentz and his monster contract are going to go for a first, maybe more picks. Sam Darnold might be traded for a second. I don't know. Like the, the value of quarterbacks is obviously higher than maybe I thought. Because I thought Wentz would be going for a day-two, day-three pick at most. Same yeah. with Darnold. More likely day-three. Hearing this situation, it sounds like the Colts, the Bears, and maybe another team are desperate to try and swing the bat on one of these guys. I'm blown away by this. Oh, and I had one last segue. This is
1: also why you don't let lame duck staffs stay when you have the – why you you should do what the Jaguars did and take over control of the roster and force trades like the Jaguars did this past year to gut that roster and then move on from Caldwell instead of what the lions did and say okay you get one more chance to prove yourself and then they go all in on you know like they go all in on what the bears are going to do is go all in for this year to try to save their jobs and mortgage future draft capital that's not what you want yeah like you you have to have a long-term plan at the gm and head coaching position to just operate effectively short-term decision making to win now when you're not a team that's that close to winning now, is 99.9% of the time a bad idea?
0: What's the most you're trading for Carson Wentz? Ooh. <sighs> Man. Third round pick. And, and that's if you're a the team that most. has the cap space to do it and is willing to take him on like an Osweiler type deal, right? Even then, dude, I don't even know if I do a third round pick. That's crazy. And I, wouldn't. I, I'll finish the conversation with this. I think the best landing spot for him is to reunite with Frank Reich and the Indianapolis Colts.
1: So, like, uh, I, If I'm a team like that, I'll, and I have no other options, fourth round pick, actually. I'm, I'm declining. <laughs> drop to a fourth? Right fourth round pick.
0: I, I just can't believe, I, I can't get on board with the idea that Matt Nagy, is interested in bringing in Carson Wentz. To go from Mitch Trubisky, an inaccurate quarterback, to Carson Wentz, who is another inaccurate quarterback, is not what Matt Nagy wants to do with the football. And it's he also wants- like
1: Nagy and Peterson were, they have to be somewhat close. Yes. They have to talk, maybe, a yeah, little. At least. Nagy has to be like, hey, what's going on with this Wentz dude? And Peterson just has to be like, you know, it quit sucks. now.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I do think that, like, Nagy would much rather have a Jimmy G, a Kirk Cousins, a Derek Carr, like one of the more accurate quarterbacks, rather than bringing in Wentz, who Still is like arguably less accurate than Mitch Trubisky has been over the past few years. Like That is a huge concern for me. I don't know why the Bears are even involved in this conversation. It's nuts. It's bonkers. All right, let's now jump to the mock draft. And before I do so, I want to say this. This is the last day to take advantage of the Super Bowl twenty-five promo code. It gives you 25% off any PFF subscription, including Edge Monthly. Edge Monthly is $9.99. 25% takes you to 750. Costa Chipotle without guac. And that will get you access to the without draft guide. That double me meet too. So. i will get you access to the draft guide, among other things, in the edge subscription for a full month. You can cancel after that. You don't even have to like, you don't have to continue through the offseason, whatever you want to do. You can get access to the draft guide. But if you don't have the 750 and you still want the draft guide, I'm reopening my DMs. You leave a five-star review in Apple Podcasts and send me a screenshot of it in Twitter DMs. You are eligible for a draft guide. How many I have? How many am I giving out? Fifty percent of the total messages I get between February eighth and February fifteenth. One week. One, One week, week only. I'll do it. I gave away over hundred, by the way, last time. I had oh, wow. so many DMs. Two hundred DMs. So many DMs. This I time, DMs I don't know if we'll get that many, but I'm challenging you to try. Challenging you to try me. I didn't get any first dates out of those DMs, though. Mm. All draft guide talk.
1: Yeah, my DMs open for that because, well, I'm single now,
0: sadly. So uh, you'd love to see that. Mm. Not sadly. You you thrive when you're single. You thrive when you're single. All right, uh, let's jump to this mock draft now. You recently dropped a mock draft for PFF.com. That's what everyone wants right now. We had this conversation recently. Mock drafts, you know that quote in Wedding Crashers? Maybe Quinn could play it for us in the podcast, but that quote where he's like, it's sailing's like sex to these people. They love it. That's what mock drafts are to people. You know what I mean? Like People love mock drafts. And we're going to go ahead with this one from you. Uh, number one, you have the Jacksonville Jaguars taking quarterback Trevor Lawrence of Clemson. I haven't seen that. Which is, which is crazy. I, it's, a, it's a surprise pick for I'm sure. I'm a
1: hot take artist now. I like that. I like that. I sold out for clicks.
0: New York Jets at two, take Zach Wilson. Miami Dolphins at three, take Panay Sewell of Oregon, the offensive tackle. Carolina Panthers trade up in this mock draft, up to number four, take the Atlanta Falcons number four pick, and take quarterback Justin Fields, who in other mock drafts from Kuyper, McShay. And I think even Jeremiah, we've seen Fields fall outside the top 10. They come up and grab him at four. That leaves the Bengals with Jamar Chase at five. Let's talk. I think those first three picks, I've seen those a lot. I don't know how much I want to talk about them.
1: I just want to say this about Penny Sewell and the offense. I don't think a team's going to pass on Penny Sewell for a different positional player. You can pass on for a quarterback. I don't foresee anyone passing on Penny Sewell for another positional player. He's like Chase Young in that regard, where it's just like, I don't care if you got Ryan Kerrigan and Montez Sweat, a guy you just drafted in the first round. You're gonna draft Chase Young. you mm-hmm. I don't care if you have, you know, Ryan Ramchick and Teron Armstead. You're gonna draft Penesul.
0: He's that good. I don't care if at, you have Juwan James and Austin Jackson. You're gonna draft Penesul. They don't have Juwan James either. But oh, I thought they had Juwan James. Oh, that was Denver. Sorry, he went to Denver. I'm stupid. Buddy.
1: No, Who's their right tackle? Robert uh, Hunt. So I, I don't expect. care if definitely don't care if you have Robert. No, but Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, probably can move Hunt inside. You draft a Penesul. he's that good. Okay, there's my take.
0: At five, uh, at four, let's talk about this trade a little yeah. bit. Now, maybe a little
1: ridiculous because divisional trades, teams don't do that. I don't know why. It shouldn't bother you to steal other teams' picks if they're that desperate to go get a quarterback. Whatever, let them get the quarterback. Like, be confident in your own ability.
0: Plus, you're not and, trading players in this situation. Yeah, I exactly. think it's a little bit, like a little bit, I a little so bit different.
1: I, I, I don't think that should be a big deal. Maybe teams in their front offices feel otherwise. But again, I don't think it should be a big deal. But the Panthers, I just think they don't want... that. You saw the report that they offered up Teddy Bridgewater to the Lions. Definitely some bias remorse there. They have the talent offensively to be much better than the, what, 22nd or something ranked scoring offense, whatever they were. They were a below-average offense with objectively above average, well above average skill positions and a good enough offensive line that you can operate behind. Teddy Bridgewater, 66.4 passing grade. You just can do better than Teddy Bridgewater. you You got to set your sights higher, especially in that division. So Justin Fields, I think that's who they're going to go attack.
0: I like them taking a quarterback in this class, whether they trade up and go grab Fields or stay put and maybe swing the bat on Lance, even though Lance could even go in the top five themselves. I think they can't afford to go into next year because here's why. I think here's here's a good reason why they should. If they go in with Teddy Bridgewater again, I think they're going to again be picking between like eight and 12. Like Teddy Bridgewater's not, and that roster is not going to take you in the top three territory. And you do quarterback purgatory is the worst place to be in the NFL. That's what that, when they signed Teddy Bridgewater, I said that. You're putting yourself in this position where you're never going to be in a prime position to get a top two, top three quarterback prospect. And now every draft, there's three guys like this. There's four guys that you take in the top five. Next year, I don't know if we'll see that. We'll see. But, If they start Teddy Bridgewater next year, in addition to not developing a young rookie quarterback, you're going to again be drafting in that tier of like 8 to 12, 8 to 14. Maybe they make the postseason, like the football team, and be in an even worse spot. Like that is the concern I have with Teddy B. Yeah, the Bridgewater move. At the time, I said it. This is like objectively the worst move
1: you could make as the Panthers because you're not ready and you're going for a guy who's just limited. Like Mm -hmm. nothing about his game ever said top 5'10 quarterback in the NFL. It's like the move that the Bears should have made was go get Teddy Bridgewater with how good your defense is, how good your skill position is. You could maybe like sneak into the playoffs. They also changed
0: point. the entire coaching staff. Like that, it was going to be very difficult yes. to win with Teddy B.
1: That's what, like, that move just made no sense. You were a team that was primed to get a top three, four pick, get in on the quarterback class. But then you won too many games, and now you're gonna have to trade up.
0: They should have started Will Greer the entire season, like honestly, and like if he completely Will Greer gets you Trevor Lawrence, yes, and fulfills his destiny, yes, and that's what you want. I was on, the, I was on a po- uh, Patriots podcast recently, and I was uh, they were talking about well, because about the Mac Jones, or should they trade up and go get a quarterback? And, and and we had this conversation about bridge quarterbacks. Well, don't you need to go make a move for like a bridge quarterback before the next guy? You don't bring your bridge, bridge. quarterback in until yeah. you have a developing rookie like you don't Teddy Bridgewater is a great bridge quarterback to who like you don't have someone developing is it Will Greer then you should have started
1: him uh yeah no that was it was just a bad decision I think that's why they ended up firing Herney was it probably was his
0: tough man tough all right Bengals take Jamar Chase with Penesel off the board let's get to the next picks Philadelphia Eagles take Devante Smith of Alabama at six that's a very common pick these days Denver Broncos come up and go get Trey Lance They trade up with the the Detroit Lions at seven. Go get Trey Lance at eight. The Atlanta Falcons coming down from four. Take Kyle Pitts. I love that. That is one of my favorite picks I've seen you mock. Nine, the Detroit Lions coming down from Denver or with Denver. Take linebacker Micah Parsons of Penn State. And at 10, Caleb Farley of Virginia Tech to the Dallas Cowboys. Let's start at the Denver Broncos coming up for Trey Lance. Mm -hmm. A lot of the reports I've seen are that they're confident in Drew Locke but want to bring in a veteran to compete. I've heard Gardner Minshew as a name, which is like absurd. Oh, Do you think this is a way better decision? And obviously you do, but what's your take on Trey Lance to Denver? Yeah,
1: the Lance is interesting because I feel like the Eagles would be in that mix if he didn't go to North Dakota State. Stop. You think they're that crazy? Really? I'm just saying like you had a quarterback went to North Dakota State. You're going to trade him away. Fans are just going to be like, not another North Dakota State guy. That's immediately what it, that, it's going to happen. But that I wasn't feel quite like my a multi-million dollar
0: franchise can't let same same helmet scouting fans affect what they make at number six, which is again another million dollar, multi-million dollar decision. Philly yeah. hates everybody though. They could draft Jesus, and they'd be like, Oh, this guy's. Something. I don't what know. I've seen enough tape. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so talk more
1: about. But that. I just think they're they're the most intriguing team to me right now because. Roseman's no dummy about positional value that's we know for certain he's always coveted the valuable positions wide receiver tackle defensive end corner corner that's what he's kind of gone at in the draft wise so quarterback would be on like he made the play to get Wentz like he made that massive play to go get Wentz do they make the similar play to go are they like the ones convincing the Jets hey no, you want Darnold. Like you want, you want to ride with him. Trust me, he'll. This is the year we'll go take Zach Wilson. No big deal. Um, possibly they're to me the biggest wild card in the draft because of that because they have a history of that. But in this one, like I said, Trey Lance on the board, I think he makes a lot of sense to Denver Broncos. Cannon for an arm, not a guy you're one. Like you're not gonna. He's gonna come in. Drew Lock's gonna get a sh- shot. Like you get to keep. Yeah, Drew Lock. You get to give him that other year that so many Broncos fans, or not so many, some Broncos fans are still holding out hope that he could be that guy. And that's fine. Lance gets to sit a year on the bench and see what not to do, kind of like you with your dad. He gets to say, hey, this is how I don't play the game of football. Then he comes
0: in year two, and Lance balls. I think that's where I would like to go. If I'm, I honestly Broncos. think this is an ideal situation for Denver because I think I I agree that I think there's even some parts of the front office that want to give Drew Locke another opportunity with this young receiving core, this offense, whatever you get to do that with Trey Lance. Trey Lance has only played one game over the past, like 12 plus months. You're not going to start him week one, but you do have him as that developmental piece behind Drew Locke. And if Drew Locke tanks, you're in a good position to give Trey Lance some opportunities or let him tank for 16 games and get a higher draft pick and then fit Lance with some weapons going into 2022. Here's the thing though. If they go with this strategy, I hope the front office lets them know. And and Vic Fangio lets them know. I am not on the hot seat if you want me to start Drew Locke for 16 games next year. Because <laughs> uh, some people have asked you me be, dude. some people you really have asked me be. about Fangio and why hasn't he been fired? It's like, are you serious? This guy should not be on the hot seat. He's working with, you know, bad bad parts. Like this quarterback has not played well. Yeah. Drew Locke is on the hot seat. There are people who want Fangio out of Denver more than they want Drew Locke out of Denver. And I just can't get on board with that.
1: I can't. They, they had, they lost their best defensive player and they still had one of the best teams. Like, they, they had they, they
0: had shambles in the secondary and still were one of the more yeah. productive Loss secondaries.
1: Bouillet and Von Miller or like Bouillet barely played and you still had a lights idea. because Vic Fangio
0: is one of the best defense coordinators
1: like you would scheme. Yeah. Like,
0: if Denver lets Fangio get out of there man I would be floored. Like they let Drew Locke tank them into like three or four wins and then they leave on Fan- I would hate to see that. I really would. Alright let's jump to one of my favorite picks here. Kyle Pitts to Atlanta. There are going to be some people who are like, "Yeah, Lee, you got Julio." No, I said this again. I'll, I said this before. I'll say it again. There is not a single team in the NFL with enough weapons to pass on Kyle Pitts specifically at eight overall. I've said that with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to say that with the Atlanta Falcons. I, I really do think Kyle Pitts is a monster coming to Atlanta. I'd love this fit.
1: Yeah, his in terms of rarity of skill set, like he's more rare than any of these receivers. He's rarer. One of those two, more rare. More rare than all these receivers. Rarity of skill set, like him, he's right up there with Sewell and Parsons. He may be the most rare of those guys coming out. Like you don't see guys who he's probably going to be up to about 250 by draft time who just move the way he does and yeah. have his receiving ability. I can't, I can't remember the last guy to come out that l- l- that is as good as he is as a tight end prospect. Like Kelsey obviously has developed over time. Gronk was a different type of tight end. Waller developed over time. Kittle was, you know, barely even utilizing that offense. Pitts, you've like seen it all already, seen all the things that you could want that translate to the NFL as a receiver, and he's much improved as a blocker to let to actually have people respect him as an inline blocker. Yeah, I mean, like Cal Pitts, he's dude. You know, if you're the Falcons, that could take you to another level offensively.
0: Parsons to Detroit. I also really like and Chris Spielman. Dude,
1: that's just like it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, just chalking up right now. Taylor Farley to Dallas the there.
0: at 10. Let's get to the next picks, though. 11, you have the New York Giants taking Patrick Sertan, the second of Alabama. San Francisco 49ers grab Quiddy Pay of Michigan, the edge defender. Los Angeles Chargers, Rayshon Slater of Northwestern, the offensive tackle, could play guard, too. Um, and then Minnesota Vikings, defensive tackle Christian Barmore of Alabama at 14. And then the New England Patriots, not Mac Jones. Wide receiver Jalen Waddle of Alabama at 15. Let's start there, because I've had a lot of conversations about Mac Jones, the Patriots at 15. Yeah. You've said this before and I'm gonna echo it. Set your sights higher. Mac Jones, yeah. I think the ceiling for Mac Jones is he plays to the level of a Kirk Cousins on his rookie deal. And then on his rookie deal, the team can build around him to a point where you can compete for a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily be a favorite for one, but compete for one. The New England Patriots roster is bad, defensively and offensively.
1: But worse receiving core in the
0: NFL. Worst receiving core in the NFL. The defense is old, like they're gonna be losing some guys. They might yeah. trade away Stefan Gilmore. You're better off. Starting Jared Stidham. Don't get a bridge quarterback. Just screw the bridge quarterback. Again, yeah. You're better off starting Jared Stidham and and getting Jalen Waddle here, letting him develop with Stidham whatever that looks like, and then drafting one or two next year and grabbing Rattler or Howell, whoever it may be. They should have tanked this year. You know, instead they go for Cam Newton, they try and push. I think this is an interesting conversation. This is the it. Bill Belichick legacy has been in the conversation lately with T- Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl without him, some people are calling him overrated. I heard um Gary Vee on Clubhouse, which is a new like audio platform, new social media platform, talk about how Bill Belichick could go down as one of the more overrated coaches in the N- in NFL history if Tom Brady wins like two or three Super Bowls without him. And I think that's eating at Bill Belichick a little bit. You know how much of a competitor Bill Belichick is? I yeah. think you could tell Bill Belichick, "Hey, the best opportunity for you to get back to the Super Bowl is for you to lose 16 games this season." Say they told that in 2020. He's not doing it. Like he is a guy that thinks he can win without a good quarterback. He thinks he's built his team to be quarterback proof. It's why he's won so many times when Tom Brady was hurt. Why he went 11 games with 11 wins with Matt Castle. But that's not the case when your roster is as bad as it is now. Like maybe he could win with a Cam Newton with a better roster, but it's bad. Like this New England Patriots team. Is in such a bad spot from a roster perspective that grabbing Mac Jones and trying to win with him is just not the the um, shortest path to another Super Bowl. The shortest path, I think, is tanking in 2021, letting Sidham develop, and yeah. then hopefully grabbing one of the top quarterback prospects next year.
1: That's the thing. If you're drafting a QB here, you're just you're not recognizing where you're at as a roster. Yes, you're bad. It's not a good roster. They were not built to like. You're not going to compete for Super Bowls with that roster. And it's and your best players are old because here just let me le- read off their first th- top three round picks from 2015 on these are the guys they drafted the first three rounds i'm ready malcolm brown defensive tackle jordan richard safety genio grissom defensive end cyrus jones cornerback joe tooney guard jacoby Brissett, vincent valentine defensive tackle Derek rivers defensive end antonio garcia tackle isaiah Wynn, tackle sony michelle obviously running back duke dawson cornerback Nikhil Harry, wide receiver. Juwan Williams, cornerback. Chase Winovich, defensive end. Damian Harris, running back. Yadne Kajust, tackle. And then this past year, Kyle Duggar, safety. Josh Ucci, outside linebacker. Anfernee Jennings, linebacker. Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, tight ends. That's one of the worst draft histories over that span. Of the or worst draft seeing histories over that span of any franchise in the NFL. That's awful. That's why you are where you are if you're the Patriots, because you hit on what? Two guys, two quality starters over that span in Isaiah Wynn. Joe Tooney, and you hit on maybe one more guy who's like borderline that in Chase Winovich. That's about it at this point. You did not, you have not gotten impact players from your top picks. And when you don't get impact players from your top picks, the base of your roster just erodes because there's only so long you can rely on those guys on their second contracts before it gets too expensive. And you kind of did what we saw last year where Brady was obviously too expensive for them. They moved on. Don't have a great backup plan. Tried to win with Cam Newton, but they shouldn't have because they weren't good enough.
0: Yeah. And I think if you're going to, you know, because there is the argument like, well, let's develop a quarterback in this class. Don't take him at 15. You're better off taking Jamie Newman, Kellen Mond, or Felipe Franks on day two, day three, and developing guys with, like, legitimate, like, arm talent, right? I don't believe in necessarily developmental quarterbacks. I believe
1: in trading up. If you're going to get a quarterback and not, not waiting, go up and get the guy. But, again, Mac Jones. Say so higher than Mac Jones,
0: but going up and getting a guy for the Patriots because that's another but part like, of the conversation. Day,
1: day two is where you need to build more starters. That's where like they need Fair. to hit on depth in this on that roster. So
0: I don't think the roster's in a position though where you'd feel confident trading up to go get even Fields or Wilson or Lance because yeah. like you're even when you trade all that capital to go get him, he's going to be in a situation where there's not a lot of talent around him, and and that again is concerning. This is not where you want to be as Patriots fans, and I know. We're talking to Patriots fans right now. This is hard. This is a tough pill to swallow. You're not going to be good for a couple seasons after yeah. dominating the NFL for 18 plus years. And I'm telling you right now, it's like, I know a lot of Raiders fans. I'm from Oakland, California. If you told Raiders fans, Hey, you need to tank before you can get to the playoffs again. It's like dude, they'd be signing up for it. Like, Oh, two win seasons. We're all about it. We've been there, but Patriots fans and Bill check included. It's That's like, it. I time. don't know if I could do it. Like, I, this is a weird place to be. Like, well, meanwhile, like other franchises are like, dude, I'll tank any one season to go get a top quarterback and try and turn this thing around. And it's not just like
1: tanking. Like you don't have to intentionally like do what the Jaguars did and really like sell off all your top pieces. It's more just recognizing where you're at as a roster. Yeah. You know? The other interesting picks I wanted to hit on here, one, the Pay to 49ers. Just John Lynch has committed to investing in the defensive line at all costs over the course of his tenure there. So I don't, I, I don't think that changes. Like I don't think the strategy necessarily changes there. They want that as a cornerstone of their defense and everything builds off of that. So I could very much see them being the first guy, first team to dip into the edge class. And the Minnesota Vikings, I know everyone wants edge for them. Greg Russo has probably been in a zillion mocks to them for good reason. But I think defensive tackle is the scarcer position in this draft class. You won't find a guy close to Christian Barmore's skill set in the second round. You just won't. He's that good. He's in a class of his own in this defensive tackle class. It's not even really particularly close. There might not be another guy that is even a competent pass rusher drafted in this defensive tackle. It's just not good. Barmore, though, what he did against Notre Dame, what he did against... Uh, Clemson, no, excuse me, Ohio State. She's special. He is special. I would not be passing on him at 14.
0: All righty. Let's jump to the next few picks here. Uh, At 16, Arizona Cardinals take Christian Darasaw of Virginia Tech. At 17, the Las Vegas Raiders grab Nick Bolton, linebacker, Missouri. 18, Miami Dolphins grab linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa of Notre Dame. At 19, Washington football team grabs tackle Elijah Vera Tucker of USC. And at 20, big riser here. The t- uh, Chicago Bears grab tackle, North Dakota State tackle, Dylan Radins. Let's start there. Raidens big senior bowl week. You like him at 20. He could be going high. It, like, you like this. Is this his ceiling in this mock or in the first round? Do you think he goes higher than 20? I don't know. I mean, Jim Nagy is had him over
1: Penny Sewell heading into the season. True. So Nagy's been banging the table for him, going super high. I think it's kind of with the depth of the tackle class, teams that are drafting in the top 10. To 12, we'll be like, hey, I can get one in the second round and get you know, Liam Eikenberg if need be. Let me go elsewhere. So I do think that's why I kind of, there's a lot of, there's what, three just came off the board from 16 to 20 there. I think that's where you start to see guys, some of this tack class come off the board. And I wouldn't be surprised if Raiden's like jumps like Farrah Tucker or mm-hmm. you know Dare saw this class. He's, I thought that was high that for that Farrah level Tucker up. too. He's that level of athlete. Like he's an explosive offensive tackle that. Like was it, Tristan worth said broad jump translates. I bet he has I bet he has good broad jump. But he's gonna have a pretty good one.
0: Explain to me Raiders taking Bolton over J O K from Notre This Day. one's this one's
1: reading Mike Mayock, the tea leaves Love here. Love it. What is what has Mayock done? Veteran, experienced guys, leaders. Hard nose. Hard dose. Tone setters.
0: Mm. First and last out. Gritty.
1: Awesome. Gritty. Although that was not
0: what's-his-face,
1: Ohio State, Damon Arnett. That was not Damon Arnett.
0: No. But all the other he ones. It was first out.
1: Yeah. All the other ones, that type. Hasn't worked out, but this good news, Bolton's actually good in that type. So I like it. And fills the need of linebacker, which has just been, man, that. Corey I still think they're deal.
0: getting into the edge class. I think they're gonna grab a Rousseau or an OA or a pay. I, I everyone's mocking linebacker to them. Bradley knows that this defense doesn't work unless I get some pass rushing help. And I think while there are projects in this class, like you're I think it's it's too good at six, 17 yeah. to pass on like a Rousseau or an oh, no, Oway here. Yeah. I I think linebacker would be a foolish move.
1: I kind of agree.
0: All right, let's go to twenty-one. Indianapolis Colts grab the guy who's gonna be on the podcast later, edge defender Gregor Rousseau of Miami. At twenty-two did you Elijah, ask him how much he weighed. How much does he weigh now? I said he said he's close to 260 or something. How long are his arms? I didn't ask him how long his arms were. Okay, I don't God think he's measured that awesome. yet. His Why pro day I think is at the back end of March. Okay. We're gonna be ready for it. All right. He did say he has some really good things to say about Jalen Phillips. Yeah. He said he watched every Miami game this year and he wore the. I 15. would hope. <laughs> what do you mean you would hope? The guy played there. <laughs> I mean sometimes he's working. Okay, some people are grinding. Okay, he can't always afford to like leisurely watch a game. Okay, that guy said he's in the best shape of his life. He's been working out like five times a day.
1: I would also hope. Yeah, so Fair know. enough.
0: Fair enough. All right. Uh, 22 Tasty Titans take Elijah Moore of Ole Miss, who we will be having on the podcast on Wednesday. And then New York Jets, we have cornerback J.C. Horn of South Carolina. Pittsburgh Steelers grab linebacker Zaven Collins of Tulsa. And then uh, that's a fit. It's just too good. Yeah, Zaven Collins to Pittsburgh I'm is
1: awesome. And
0: then Jacksonville Jaguars take safety Trayvon Morick of TCU. I have a take on the safety class that I want that's to bring here. up, but... Are we forgetting? Are too many people forgetting about Javon Holland of Oregon? He didn't play this year. Former five-star from Oakland, Bishop O'Dowd High School. Oh, okay. The dude moves so well. I think he's smooth. I don't, are, think he's that, I
1: don't think he's an explosive athlete,
0: though. He's smooth, though. Yeah. He's smooth. He's and good. I think he's got I, – I love what he did in the slot for them. I think Javon Holland is going to get slept on a little bit because he didn't play this past year, mm-hmm. and you're going to see him legit, like, as a second-round pick, maybe back into the second-round pick, like, That's take off for goes. a team. I think yeah. he could have a legit impact as a second-round player. Uh, bring it up. I had to bring it up. Yeah, I, I, I was he's watching, no, I was watching more shot. of the class, and I, like, forgot about him. I mean, it's easy to. Like, you're watching so much 2020 tape. You turn back on the 2019 tape, there is a handful of plays. You turn on the Stanford game. I
1: just don't think he's quite the athlete of the we'll other see. top
0: We'll see teams. come pro day, dog. All right, let's talk more about these picks. Zayvon Collins to Pittsburgh is awesome. I like JC Horn as high as twenty three to the New York Jets. Yeah. Elijah Moore over Kadarius Tony over uh, Rondell Moore over Rashad Bateman. You got Elijah Moore going high to the to the Tennessee Titans of all teams. I think,
1: and I mean, it's because of kind of what he did versus some JC Horn this past year. Like he can get, dude. He got JC Horn. Yeah, a like bit. he can get open. Uh, and, and I don't think he's just a slot. Like he played the slot there, but. I don't think he is. Like, I think he is has good enough ball skills. Can get off press coverage. I I think this guy is your number two option with AJ Brown. That can they're going to need someone there. Honestly, I think they need someone who's like a little faster than even Corey Davis because that with the way that offense operates, going down the field, like it, it, it is attacking the intermediate and deep levels of the football field. And if you don't have someone else with some speed, teams can put their attention towards A.J. Brown because it is a lot of two wide receiver stuff there. Um, So I I, I think Elijah Moore would be a good fit specifically for the Titans and what they
0: want to do. All right, let's speed through the next few picks here because we gotta do our hashtag fun to watch list. Yeah, yeah. All right. Twenty-six, so. Cleveland Browns grab Jason Owe of Penn State, Baltimore Raven edge defender Aziz Ojulari of Georgia, who we had, I believe, on the Thursday or Wednesday episode of Tier 4 drafts. So go back and check that out. At twenty-eight, we have Mac Jones of Alabama going to the New Orleans Saints. Twenty-nine, Green Bay Packers finally grab their first round receiver. It's Rondell Moore of Purdue. Uh Buffalo Bills grab tackle Taven Jenkins of Oklahoma State. Who the more I watch this film, that guy's a a and grinder, a a, a oh. lunch pail type that I think a lot of teams will really like. Is in he fun class. to watch? Rankings? He is not in my fun to watch oh. rankings, but he probably should have been. I have oh. another tackle though, and I think it's also very fun mm-hmm. to watch. Uh, Carlos Basham Jr. of Wake Forest to the Kansas City Chiefs at thirty-one, and then the Buccaneers. This is my least favorite pick in the mock. Running back Najee Harris of Alabama. They, Jason Licht is not making this mistake. Okay, and I like Najee Harris. Great running back. He is—he did draft a corner kicker in the second round. So, fair, never say never. Fair, But I i mean, this is just somewhat... Rashad Bateman's still on the board.
1: But I think he learned his lesson after Kadari's that. Kadarius Toney's like, oh, still on the board. What was I doing?
0: With Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown all hitting the free agent market, maybe you don't bring all those guys back. I think you have to go pass catcher here, especially with how this mock fell out. Bateman yeah. is still on the board. I'm taking Bateman at 32. They got Tyler Johnson,
1: do. Tyler Johnson can ball. Um, I know Tyler Johnson can ball. Najee Harris. I mean, he's a legitimate upgrade over the running back group, though they run the ball. They fucking run the ball a lot. And when you run the ball a lot, we we always you know say, hey, you don't want to invest in a running back because you don't. We don't want you to invest in a running game. The Bucks aren't going to change. You know, Bruce Arians, Tiger ain't changing his stripes at this point in his career. You don't believe in Super Bowl Lenny? God no, dude. That touchdown was like a straight line. I could have had, I could have had that one touchdown. Right.
0: Wow. The playoff Lenny slander slash Super Bowl Lenny slander is uncalled for, but also free agent so. unnecessary.
1: Um. The other interesting ones here, in my opinion, Jason Elway, the zero sacks, I don't think that's going to move the needle for the Browns. They're not, they're smarter analytically than that, to say, oh, zero sacks. He can't sack the quarterback. No. it's not how it works.
0: He's also gifted. Gifted athlete. That guy is insane. Yes.
1: Monster. Uh, Mac Jones, the Saints, there's a team and an offense that could, Mac Jones could excel in in the NFL. Yeah. Like that, the way Sean Payton dials it up. So I've come around to the term dials it up this year. Love dials it up. I hate it. Okay. I'm just kidding. I like it. Dials (laughs) it up. That's Matt Jones. That's what he does best. Not all offenses in the NFL are going to dial it up for Matt Jones that way. Sean Payton will dial it up. So I love that fit. And then uh, last one, Carlos Bastrom, Chiefs got to go edge. Pass rush has to get better. Worst, lowest ranked edge pass rushing group in the NFL
0: this past season. Man. That's rough. That's tough. Basham Jr. at 31, too, I think is good value. Um, Let's jump to now our hashtag fun to watch rankings. So if you don't know this, on 2 for 1 drafts, we hate when people say fun to watch. On Twitter or anywhere about a prospect, because it's not a take. It's not anything. I saw someone tweet out that this running back class is fun to watch. Like, kill me. (laughs) Every running back class is probably fun to watch. I, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it just say something definitive you know unless you're just having fun cuz i also will tweet out some things where like oh that was sick like that's fine but like when you're talking about like a prospect i feel like you have it's to not bring something yeah you have to bring something to the table
1: it's so- it's masquerading as a take when it's nothing
0: yes yes that's true but I think it's football is fun. And when you are putting tweet copy together, it's fun to have fun with the tweet copy. But when you're talking about a prospect, and like there's some tweets where like it's like Najee Harris, parentheses, 6'2, 244, whatever the fuck, and it's like it's fun to watch. Like, come on. Okay. Well, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, like, is that,
1: does that go in as pros? Yes. Or does that go in as cons?
0: How often are you putting fun to watch in your pros? I need to know.
1: Haven't put once.
0: All right. Well, have my fun to it's watch list, I'm going to read off my top three, then you go your three, and then okay. we just keep going. My top three. Trevor Lawrence, Nick Bolton, Kyle Pitts, like those three players are three of the most fun players to watch in this class. Trevor Lawrence because aren't. I mean, this might be the best quarterback prospect we have seen in a long, long time. Nick Bolton, he hits harder than anyone in this class, and then Kyle Pitts is legitimately different. You talk about scarcity. This guy is rare. I haven't seen your list, by the way. This is my list. That's my yeah. top three.
1: All right, mine number one, Trevor Lawrence, the funnest to watch. <laughs> Two, Kadarius Tony, Florida wide receiver. He has that movement, whatever ability that it's fun as hell to watch. Yeah. Uh, and then three Penny Sewell. Cause I'm an offensive line guy at I like that. I, I I I sympathize. Empathize one of those two with the big fellas. Cause they don't get a lot of credit and they deserve far more than they get. And Penny Sewell's tape is just O-line porn,
0: shall we really say? Really is. All right. My next three. I got Kadarius Tony. Same reasons, just different player on the field. I got back-to-back Florida players. Pitts, then Tony. At five. This one might surprise people. Asante Samuel Jr., instinctive. I love the instinctive back-end players, and he's physical and tackles above his weight. I, I really do think his tape, especially on the All-22, Like if you don't have access to the All-22, you probably don't come away with too many fun-to-watch takes. But his tape on the All-22, when he's you know, picking up different concepts and stuff, it's awesome to see. He's the guy I want to get say? in the pod to just rip through some tape with. And then who'd number six.
1: Huh? I, was, I was spaced out. Who'd you say? Asante Samuel Jr. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Keep going.
0: At six, I have Christian Derisaw, who Keep is on. like Tevin Jenkins, just an absolute yeah. bully. I like, like Darasaw a lot.
1: Derisaw's fun. All right. Mine four are Darius Washington, the TCU safety. They had to. Knew I had to. Five foot eight, 179 pounds. I was actually looking through weights. He would be a, the smallest guy called a safety if he weighed in at the combine at 179 pounds ever. Wow. Yes. Now, Tyron Matthews, same size, but what came in as cornerback listed. So caveat there. Number five, Rondell Moore, Purdue. The, the OG, Kadarius Tony before Kadarius Tony turned into just something completely different. The man, Rondell Moore, is so fun to watch. And then number six, Zach Wilson. S- nice. S- still give love to the QBs. His his throws, hi- his highlight reel is the best. Now, Trevor Lawrence is more fun to watch because the way he plays quarterback position is just like utterly dominant. Zach Wilson's his throws are more fun to watch. All
0: right, I'm going to read my next four here. And I tried to bring in some guys who are like going to go on day two, day three, because I didn't want the entire list to just be first round guys. Okay. I went Lee McNeil, NC State, oh, and that man. includes his high school high tape. High school that tape, includes yeah. his high school tape. Then I went, surprising, James Wiggins. People are going to forget about it. People oh, are going to forget hits. about it. James Wiggins hits hard, plays aggressive, very instinctive, a baller, in the, especially in the clutch. Just turn on his fourth quarter games, and he is, he's nuts. Then I got, had to throw a running back in because it is the running backs are fun to watch. I went Javante Williams, who is a brick house. Brings the heat, forces missed tackles with reckless abandon. That Miami game is borderline illegal. I think the NFL, I mean the FBI is looking into it like for assault <laughs> because it's that bad. But Javante Williams fun to watch. And then lastly, because I'm not letting this guy fall out of the cracks here. Quinn Miners, baby. Oh, How about fun to yeah. watch? That was the most fun to watch we've seen of, like an offensive lineman at the Senior Bowl in a I long time. I debated Miners. Miners, great addition. He's in at 10. Or however you say his last name. All right.
1: Good list. Good list. Number seven, I had Landon Dickerson. Alabama center. Oh,
0: that's a good one. Because he's
1: just teabag machine like what? rolls up on dudes <laughs> teabag tea bag machine i mean when you pancake a guy and you roll okay never mind i guess that's he dials up the uh dials up the tea yeah bag. there you go simi fahoko <laughs> comes in at number eight the stanford wide You're receiver sick he's not fun to watch oh he's so fun to watch he's his the dude ex- is so goddamn explosive i mean it's like dk like i said the i don't know what race is the whatever the the mormons uh dk Metcalf. He's from Utah. I just, I guess, assume he's Mormon. Um, that dude's explosive as hell. Like, he just, to see a guy six foot four, 228 pounds, just blow up, blow through pe- press coverage without even like a move. He just runs. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, number nine, Andre Cisco, Syracuse safety, just running around so recklessly on the back end with like a four three speed, not giving a damn. Oh, awesome safety tape to watch. And then 10, a little off the beaten path, Oklahoma cornerback Trey Brown. Nice. Watching a five foot nine cornerback play press coverage and beat guys up it re- reminiscent of Amik Robertson last yeah. year. But I think he's a better outside cornerback than Amik Robertson was. I think Amik Robertson is like a slot Amik Robertson, the LA Tech guy who went drafted to the Raiders. But Trey Brown, like he had reps against Tylen Wallace, where it just like Wallace didn't get off the line because five foot nine guy couldn't get off the line. Trey Brown. Fun to watch.
0: What a fantastic podcast this has been. Mock draft, Super Bowl reactions, Wentz trades, and then the fun to watch list. And now the Gregor Rousseau interview. Yeah. Let's jump to it. <sighs> In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western and Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind Western Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated Endorser, products issued by member companies of Western Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. Joining the 241 Drafts podcast for the second time now, officially a friend of the podcast is none other than form, former Miami edge defender Gregory Rousseau. I'll call you Greg, though. We're, we're close like that. We're that. We're at yeah. that point where we're close. But it's great to have you back on the podcast. I know it's probably been a very weird season for you. Obviously opted out of the 2020 season due to COVID-19 concerns and have just been training your ass off since really the yeah. break and just watching as much football as you can, but not necessarily participating. How weird has this season been for you?
2: I mean, it's been wild for sure. I haven't missed a year of football since I was eight years old, so it's definitely wow. been super different, just watching and not playing in the fall. But I feel like I've made the most out of it by um, by making sure I kept my work ethic and kept my working hard and improving on areas of my game which I need to be, which I know need to be improved before I I make that jump to the next level.
0: What well, what everyone's thinking right now about Gregor Rousseau is what has he been doing, you know, over this past year to prepare for your pro day, to prepare for the NFL? Because obviously one year of tape there at Miami, Florida. People want to know yeah. how is this guy getting better as he approaches the NFL? Walk me through a typical week for you during this season or even a day to day, a daily schedule that you've been what's your training regimen like?
2: Well, now I work out six days a week, but before during the fall I was working out five days a week and Every single day I'd have an hour of like linear movement or multi-directional stuff. And then I'd have an hour of lifting, but uh, three days a week, I would do positional work where I'd work things like my hands, my get off, you know, all the D-line things that I need to get ready for the next level. I've been uh, learning new moves. I worked with Chuck Smith. He used to play for the Falcons. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a real well-known D-line coach. He's a guru. I've been working with Fred Robbins here at Excel Suspense Pensacola. He's been teaching me a lot of stuff. He, he played for about 11 years and won a Super Bowl with the Giants. So I've been definitely taking in knowledge from different coaches. And I feel like I've been getting better at all parts of my game. And also really focusing on aligning on making sure that I'm cri- just as crisp on the right side as I am on the left side, because when you go to the league, you don't know where they're going to play you at. And also, been still been working my interior stuff too.
0: Chuck Smith, man, I've talked to him before. I remember when I was interviewing Brian Burns, Burns talked about Chuck Smith as this guy that really is that guru. That's awesome that you're working yeah. with him. Because, you know, something that you can do without playing football is obviously work on the combine drills, try and get faster, try and get stronger, but it's hard to really work your moves unless you are working with a guy like Chuck Smith trying to get those moves going. I'm glad you brought up, you know, you don't know where they're going to play you in the NFL. At Miami, Florida in 2019, you played across the board, man. You are playing yeah, on the everywhere. edge, played on the interior, played some off-ball linebacker. Are you planning when you go to the NFL to be played in a versatile role? I know you said you've talked to some NFL teams before we started recording. What are some of the teams saying about what your ideal role is in the NFL?
2: Uh, they they haven't talked about it too much. So like the feeling I get from them is like I'm an edge, but I'm also an edge who can move inside. So I feel like I am an edge rusher, but also I have the versatility to play three tech to to play the right right in to play the other three tech. So I feel like I feel like all and also I feel like the drop back in the coverage, you know, drop to the flats if I need to guard some running backs or whatever the scheme calls for. I feel like I'm real versatile and I feel like that's really gonna help me to the next level because I feel like I'm not limited by any scheme that I'm in because I've i played in so many different spots before. So I'm really I'm really excited to see who's interested in me and who picks me and what and what they um what type of defense they run and how I can fit into that defense. It'd be like kinda like a chess piece. I feel like it's gonna be real interesting and a lot of fun yeah sure. I
0: think I think chess piece comes up a ton when you, you read other scouting reports even here at PFF You see this guy as a chess piece because yeah. you have multi gap versatility. you have the length the, the 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 height, the size, the weight, the athleticism to play multiple positions along the defensive line or even at outside linebacker so that's definitely awesome yeah. here So working at Exos down there in Pensacola, where I know a lot of other draft prospects go, I think they have a, a place out there in Pensacola, another place in Arizona. What combine yeah. drills are you preparing for? the most or specifically and what goals are maybe you setting yourself setting for yourself, maybe in the 40-yard dash, broad jump, et cetera?
2: Uh, my, goal, my goals are really just to perform the best that I can, get the most out of myself uh, with drills and stuff like that. It's really my goals are just to look smooth, you know, and show that I've been working at it, and show that I've gotten better with it because I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't the best at like hitting bags and all that stuff while mm-hmm. I was in Miami because we do not really do too much of that in practice. We work more like, you know, pe- you, we work more with people, I feel like in practice, like hitting yep hitting other D linemen who are standing there. So I feel like I've been working a lot of those things. And also I feel like, oh, well, well, what I've been working on the exos is, I mean, when it comes to like running the 40 and broad jump, I'd say my goals are probably to hit like maybe a four, six broad jump to be, to be um, above, above nine for sure. My strength coaches always say it has to be above nine vertical to be in the, in the thirties, then the mid thirties and and L drill and shuttle, I haven't I haven't really picked a number yet, but I'm just trying to get I'm trying to get all my time still, so and just be consistent whenever I run my drills. So yeah, that's about it though. But I'm really looking forward to my pro day because it's like a substitution for the combine. So I'm 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 ready to I'm ready to go show out.
0: Yeah, Miami's pro day. I know you said this was our March 29th, so you still have some time to prepare. After spending yeah. entire football season, like you said, you haven't spent a football season away from football since you were eight. But spending it entirely working out, would you argue you're like in the best shape of your life? I I feel like I can't imagine anything else.
2: Yeah, yeah definitely. My body fat went down like three percent. so I feel Oh like my I'm god. I mean, sure. I could pray. I could pray for
0: that number. I would love to go down three percent here in body fat. Um, how much film have you been watching throughout this process? Because I know so much of your day is probably in the weight room and doing those things, but yeah. are you watching a ton of film as well?
2: Yeah, definitely. I watch all the NFL games, just like casually. I, when I, when it's like a Sunday, I'll definitely like pick players like Calais Campbell and and uh, Joey Bosa burns you know uh, chase young i've been watching a lot of them just looking at what they do look, looking at the little things and how they move and how they go go from play to play and how they set up other and how they set up their counter moves and their the next moves that they use during the third or fourth quarter so yeah i've been watching a lot and i've also been watching a film on myself from the 2019 season and looking at all the things that i could have done better i feel like i could have i feel like if i played this year i would have i would have made a lot of a lot of strides and i i see a lot of things that were just really young in my game that I can't wait to get to the next level and improve on.
0: Let's talk about moves for a little bit. Pass rush moves are so important when you're playing along the edge or even on the interior. And people talk about edge defender versus offensive tackle a lot like they do cornerback versus receiver. You're playing the matchup. You have to beat them with technique. You have to do these different things. Like a release for a wide receiver is like a pass rush move for an edge defender. What what's your take and where are you at right now with adding pass rush moves to your tool belt? Do you have a primary move? What counter are you working? I'd love to hear more about that.
2: Uh, the counter I'm working on is just being able to long arm off of different things. Like let's say I throw a scissors and it doesn't work. Just being able to long arm and convert and maybe go under, under, under the uh, off the tackle from ready to level the quarterback. I've been working that. I learned the cross chop from Chuck Smith. That's a pretty cool move. I can't wait to use it. Especially I feel like it'll work good inside mm-hmm. just because you get that, that jump that kind of like that jump through when you just create that space. So so those are two moves that I've really been looking at. Also been working to spin a little bit. You have I didn't to. Do that, I didn't do that much in college, but you know you gotta have a spin every now and then just to keep them on it and the you know just kind of throw them off. And, and yeah, yeah, but really I feel like you can't you can't work too many moves because it's like it's better to have a thousand it's better to be good at one kick and practice it a thousand times than to have a thousand kicks and practice them all one time and not be too good at any of them. So I feel like just finding a a few moves that you know how to use and just having that one, one, two, maybe three counters off of that move. uh, I feel like it really sets you up for success.
0: Yeah, when I've talked to other edge defenders, a guy that comes to mind is LJ Collier, who was a first-round pick for the Seattle Seahawks a few years ago. And he yeah. was, his big first move was the bull rush. And it's like, hey, man, don't you need a counter? Don't you need other moves? He says, I only need one other move, and it's a counter. And I'll find it. But right now, my bull rush is my primary, and I'll find a counter. I think I've heard that from multiple guys. That's interesting you have that take yeah. as well. I, I want to talk – let's 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 talk about another number 15 from Miami. I know you didn't get an mm-hmm. opportunity to play with him in 2020, but Jalen Phillips, former five-star, played at UCLA for a couple years, then transferred to Miami. Miami I know you said you watched every single Miami Florida game this year what's your opinion of his game because that's another guy with a ton of tools a ton of talent along the edge that was playing for Miami this year
2: oh yeah yeah and, and the thing with Jalen bro one he's a he's a freaking nature and two the hype is really real you know like even even me just watching when I wa- when I was watching Miami games he really pops like when you watch when you watch a game he just pops out the screen does a lot of great things he, he can play he can play inside and outside he's super athletic really versatile and he also he also knows how to use his length for sure See him do, throw a couple long arms with some chops and i feel like he's gonna be a great player for sure and he's legit 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 100 percent.
0: yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of him him you know he's been mocked in the first round you're obviously mocked inside the top 20 a ton so i definitely definitely yeah. excited about the prospects of both you guys yeah. man i really appreciate you i
2: feel like, c- like it'll be super cool to see us both like go first round god only that would be that would be a blessing like from the same school. We got the same number. Like, it's, I don't that's think safe. it's ever happened. You know, like, that's going to be crazy. I hope it happens. I'm, I'm praying for it to happen. It's going to be dope.
0: That would be awesome. I mean, they might have to retire the number after that or just give it to the best player.
2: Who knows? Miami might
0: have to have yeah. a tradition on their hands. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the pod. We'll have to get you on maybe again soon, maybe after your pro day or something along those lines. Talk more about your stock, the NFL, NFL draft, all those things. But again, best of luck, Greg, and I appreciate you. For sure. Thank you. Cool. In and out, baby. In and out in, what, 11 minutes? Love to see it. Well, I really appreciate it, man. I hope you – I know you're staying busy, but uh, hopefully you find your breaks as well and uh, have fun watching the Super Bowl.
2: For sure. You too. Who you got?
0: I got Chiefs, man. I like Chiefs by four. They're favored for a reason. I know it's in Tampa Bay, but I I just can't quit Patrick Mahomes, man. What about you?
2: Yeah, I got the Chiefs. I got the Chiefs. So I, I feel like at this at this point, you can't. It's hard to bet against the Chiefs because they're You can't. Yeah, I don't want
0: to bet. Uh, you are telling me. I want to spend my Super Bowl Sunday betting against the Chiefs. Like, God no. I want to watch Patrick Mahomes and root for the guy because he's like honestly the most fun to watch player in football right now. What are you doing yeah. for the Super Bowl? You just right. hanging out. With, are you, you hanging out with guys from EXOS or what are you gonna do?
2: Yeah, I probably I probably watch the game with with guys from EXOS for sure. Yeah. Who who,
0: who are you hanging out with down there? I know Tutu Atwell is down there. Some other guys yeah. as well. Yeah.
2: Tutu, Nico Collins, uh, Chris Rump. Aziz uh, um, Ojolari from Georgia. So yeah, yeah. It, it, Talk about perfect. a cross
0: chop. Aziz Ojolari's yeah. got the cross chop down. If you, <laughs> that yeah. guy's, that's his favorite move for sure. I talked to him. He yeah. was on the podcast a couple days ago. He's he's a fun yeah, guy. All,
2: he's he's legit too. He's legit too. It's been fun working with him. It's, and it's really fun to be out here working with different people because you really get to see like, oh, he does this well. He does this well. You know, you get to take little things from other people's games and kind of and kind of just – you can kind of incorporate it into your own game. So it's, it's been pretty cool working out here and meeting new guys, especially the new edge defenders that are out here.
0: I bet, man. Well, I wish – I wish like I said, wish you the best of luck moving forward and maybe we'll get you on again.
2: For sure, for sure. Be safe, bro. Thank you. Too, you too,
0: man. Bye. The, the lineup we have for interviews is awesome. Greg Rousseau, a great addition for Monday. But I, I'm telling you what, I have a lot of other really good ones lined up here. Let me read you some of these guys. I have coming on the pod, Elijah Moore of Ole Miss. to get Sean Wade of Ohio State, Quinn Miners of Wisconsin Whitewater, Annalee McNeil of NC State, all lined up for this week. That's some more fun to watchers call. there. And some fun to watchers in there. I also got some NFL guys potentially on the hook. Tristan Worf has been on the podcast twice. Might bring him on after winning the Super that's Bowl. Really also might bring on Antoine Winfield Jr. He's been on the podcast before. We're making moves here. And I really do like the structure of running a pod and then let's play some interviews, talk to some of these guys. Because I do think it adds nice context and those things. But Gregor Russo, an awesome get. And we're going to continue to talk to these prospects all through. I, my goal is to get to 100 guys. I want to talk to 100 guys in this class. Well, and um, yeah you know, guys. It's right, a lot of guys, but I'm going to make a play for We're
1: it. We're going to be like talking to guys who are like, yeah, we got a seventh rounder on you. What do you Wait, think? If they that?
0: got a good background, I'm all in. You know, there's some good background. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm they're going to sell
1: you over if they have a notebook of opposing defensive That's all I
0: face. need. That's all I need. That's all I need. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Two for One Drafts. Make sure you leave a five star review, send me a screenshot in the DMs. I'm giving away draft guys. You better freaking send them. Let's do it. But until next time, Asu Gale, producer Mike Quinn, Mike Renner, Two for One Drafts.